Andy, how are you? I'm glad to talk to you, Rick. I'm glad we found your phone number. You know, the, the great thing, because you're a famous director, I have like 35 phone numbers for you, but the producer's here. I apologize. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to apologize for anything. You live now, and Andy is going to be here Friday. Uh, he will be with me and his brother, the talented musician Richie Davis, at the Cisco Film Center to screen what I... I, and I've watched this, Andy. I got to tell you something. I've rewatched uh, this movie, Stony Island, four times in the last five oh days. I know, four times in the last five days, because it is. It it not only brings me back to a Chicago that has mostly vanished now. It is just Andy Davis who co-wrote it, who co-produced it, and who directed it. It's just a great movie, Andy. I got to tell you that. Oh, thank I, you. I got to tell you that. And I think the people who are going to be at the Cisco Film Center, I'm sure a lot of them will be friends of you and your brother. But I think I can't wait to talk to people who are seeing it for the first time. You yeah, think well, it's still am I am I nuts, Andy? Or I, I still think it has a still has a remarkable impact. Do you? Well, I, you know, I'm too close to it. It's like your first child. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I got, I had did an interview the other day with a Canadian uh, journalist uh, critic, and he had never seen it before. And he was just really touched by it, you know, in yeah. terms of what we need in the world now about sharing music and humanity and, you know, and the fact that it's got these real kids in there, but it's got a professional quality to it. So it's, it's a strange amalgam of filmmaking. And, and what's interesting is, you know, I had gone from being a cameraman and wanting to make my own sort of personal movie. Sure. And I got I got to shoot in Chicago wherever I wanted, basically. And then when you look at the fugitive, there's a lot of the, the layers of the fugitive that are seen in Stony Island. And no, there's no question. And the fugitive is generally considered. I mean, to my mind, in the circles I run in, is the as the is uh, the greatest cinematic showcase for Chicago short of a some kind of travelogue out of the 1950s i mean you really and that and that is because andy you you don't not only know this city you love this city don't you well i love aspects of the city yes i do love the city there's a but i I guess i sort of love the history of corruption and violence and (laughs) and labor unrest and and rich people's this Stepping on uh, poor people. I mean, there's a there's a whole history there that's really America, you know. Yeah. And uh, and so that, that that's you know, but I'm I'm sad, you know, because today there seems to be a, a lot of tragedy, uh, both in all of America, but also in Chicago with people killing each other and guns being everywhere and race being a terrible issue for so many people. And so I'm I'm sad. I I, I would love to come back to Chicago and feel comfortable going anywhere and doing anything. Uh, and yet I, I know I have to have new precautions, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. And I think the, the question of, and one of the things that is a, a hallmark, I think, of uh, the movie Stony Island is the racial harmony. It, it, the, the black and white Chicago mingles in that movie in such a hopeful, positive, and creative way that I have a hard time uh, thinking of a movie that does that job any more effectively than 
that I'm I'm dead serious about that, and I think you'd agree, don't you? I it it really just well the the, the funny thing is there's actually been a, a tremendous amount of, uh, of development and history and accomplishment. You know, when when I was a kid, black people were not on television, right? Of they, course, they were invisible. Yep. You know, when you think of how things have changed with music and with culture and, you know, and, and, and sports and, and politics, you know, Obama was a, a guy who was working at Alt Guild Gardens and as a, as a community organizer. Mm-hmm. You know? and, 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 you know, I, I could relate to that. You know, we used to, Bowen High School, we used to play against Alt Guild Gardens. Sure. Cassie Russell, you know. Yep. And, yep. uh, and, and, you know, and then he became a, a, a candidate and he was supported by Chicagoans. And, you know, so the whole history of, a, of an optimistic time. And, you know, now we're fighting a rise of a reactionary uh, turn in our history. And we have to get everybody out. You know, we have to vote. We have to make sure people stand up. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's a, a strange thing. You know, when, when the recent mayoral election, when, you know, less than less than 50% of eligible voters even turn out, I mean, that will always uh, infuriate and uh, and irritate me. You, you know, when, when last, last we talked and we were talking, telling stories about, you know, Corky Siegel and Mike Bloomfield and how literally the folk music and, and part of the blues boom here was the result of white kids from the suburbs being able to go down to, you know, Pepper's Lounge and even the Burning Spear, which is featured in Stony Island. And music became, music was a common language, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Andy? Yeah, it yeah. was. And, and, you know, it goes back to Benny Gooden was the, yeah, uh, right. an integrated band, you know. But, you know, the, you know, Butterfield, Paul Butterfield was from Hyde Park and Corky was from South Shore. So, yep. you know, there were some there were some suburban kids. Bloomfield came from Highland Park, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Winnetka. But there, there was it was a whole amalgam. And then other people came to Chicago from, you know, Elvin Bishop and people came from Oklahoma and stuff like that, you know, and, and came to Chicago because it had these incredible roots that had come up from Mississippi and Louisiana and Alabama up the Mississippi River to develop this new music. Yeah. And it, it was, you know, and it, it affected the world. I mean, there's a documentary about about Butterfield and 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 basically, you know, the British guys who became famous all were listening to chess records. Of course. They were down on Michigan it, it, Avenue. It, it, yeah, so that had a tremendous impact. And then it goes back to jazz and all kinds of stuff. So I feel very lucky that I, I grew up in a city that was rich culturally and, and had this incredible involvement. There, there's a great documentary about Mr. Kelly's. Oh, I know. It's about how, how these two brothers started, you know, letting people, sh- Dick Gregory, tell it like it was, yep. know, back then, yeah. which was unheard of. Well, and, didn't, and, and allowed and allowed black customers. I know they, uh, the, David Marienthal, who made that movie, was a guy from Francis Parker, and I knew him as a, I knew him as a kid. And it, uh, it's another movie that really helps define race in Chicago, which is which has always been. I think one of the uh, one of the most sort of tenuous grounds, Obama or no Obama, uh, of race relations in this in this country. That's why I think Stony Island is such a, a buoyantly hopeful movie, Andy Davis. I, I you, you may not have uh-huh. been thinking that when you wrote it, but but it really. Oh no, uh, yeah, well. It- 
Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to have this idea of this white kid could survive in a black re- in neighborhood and develop deep friendships, which has happened. It was a true story, my brother. I know. He's got, got this band, an integrated band. He's been working with black musicians and white musicians and Romanian musicians for years and years, you know. Did and, you ever? Uh, it's, it's, it's a true story. Did you ever think that one of the things, that, and I'll bring this up because Andy, Richie, and I are going to have a conversation at the Cisco Film Center Friday night after the screening. The screenings at 8 siskelfilmcenter.org is how you can get tickets and what i want to ask is i i see that film and i told you i've seen it like five times in the last four days i think to myself geez richie davis to my mind has real star quality on camera uh do you sense that he's your brother so i don't know if you're going to admit to that and he is a talented musician but i think he could have been a movie star what do you think andy Davis? yeah well you know it, 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 he was very handsome and, yes and very mellow and he grew, you know he grew up around the, the my parents who were actors yeah he was a bit of a ham as a kid you know <laughs> and you know and now we're both bald old guys you know <laughs> i don't know if he'd be a, a leading man today but he certainly he certainly has a, a way of you know it's interesting because his band is the Chicago Cats. Right, right, right. And they're, they're, they have a website. They're great. And these are studio musicians. And Richie, it's interesting because he's got to deal with all these weddings. He's got to deal with the bride and the groom <laughs> and the parents and the ethnicity, whether they want Greek music or Polish music or, you know, whatever they're going to ask for. So he's got to be a diplomat. <laughs> and I think growing up on the South Side and staying out of trouble and dealing with all kinds of people has helped him do that. Yeah, that he was nurtured as a diplomat. No question. No question. And if you can hang on for a couple more minutes, we'll continue this conversation can you thank you that's no problem thank wonderful you. we'll be back in a couple minutes and to prepare for this one of the best things to do would be to show up at the cisco film center on friday night for the 8 p.m screening of stony island the 1978 film directed co-produced and co-written by andy davis who is on the phone now born and bred chicago and it stars his brother, Richie, who's gone on to a fabulous musical career with the Chicago Cats. Uh, you're proud of this movie? Andy, you know, I, I think to myself, like, I wonder if I should go back and read a story I wrote about some saloon in 1978 and what I would think of it. I'm actually going to do that and see what I think. Are you, You're proud of this? It was made on a shoestring, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting, besides the fact that we had no money to work with, right. the people who are in the movie whose careers have blossomed, for example, you know, Dennis Franz's first movie, he was, yeah. he was in the organic theater. Yep. Uh, Susanna Hoffs wasn't even a singer. She was just starting to have develop interest in music, and she, she started the Bangles. Gene Barge, who was the producer of so many great records at Chess, including Muddy Waters, Electric Mud, but also was producing Natalie Cole. And it goes on and on. The number of musicians and and, and actors who who developed Meshach Taylor, for example, Oscar uh, Brown Jr. Oscar Brown Jr., who I loved, grew up with. Anyway, so I'm proud of the fact that we were able to get talented people in this film. And then Tak Fujimoto shot it. Dove Honig, who became a really great editor, cut several of my films. He worked on it, and uh, you know it was a, it was a labor of love. We we had nothing to. There was no money, so it wasn't a big issue about who got paid what. It was everybody was working for nothing, pretty basically. Right, right. Um, 
But, you know, we recorded the music live in 12 days. And uh, I think it's got an honesty that can resonate with people today. And I think, you know, going back and looking at the, the kids in bell bottoms and kids who have afros and kids who are playing R&B, I think it, it's timely. Young people can relate to it today. I don't think there's any question. I cannot wait to see the reaction of the crowd. There's also Ray Dong Chong in what obviously had yeah. to be her first movie, right? Yeah, Tommy Chong's daughter. Yes, uh, somebody at A and M Records recommended her to me. Is this you know, young, beautiful uh, actress? Who, and it turns out she could sing. You know, and Wendy Barnes, who later went on to sing with Stevie Wonder yeah. in the movie, and Larry Ball, who, who who became the musical director for for all kinds of huge stars. You know, it, it, it just goes on and on. Well, so, but and you, and, you know, the interesting is yeah. Gene, Gene, There's a there's a documentary people can watch. Oh, it's wonderful. Andrew Davis, Andrew com. It's called The Making of Stony Island, and it's with Quincy Jones and Chuck D, and plus every a lot of people in the cast in the movie, and they get a real insight. And, and, and what's interesting is, you know, Quincy talks about the impact of Chicago and the South Side on the world of music, sure. and Chuck D, who's not from Chicago but loves Gene Barr, says, you know, this is a movie that doesn't talk about race, it yep. doesn't deal with race, and yet it, it's about people getting along. It's like he talks, he makes a sports reference. You know, you see a movie always about the coach and the team coming together. Right. This is Gene Barge as the mentor who's putting this band together with because the kids come to say, will you help us? And he does, you know. Yeah. No, I think it's remarkable on every... Who made... Did you make that documentary that's on your website? Yeah. yeah, it, oh, yeah. That's a wonderful piece of work. When did you do that? We did it in 2012. Okay. Was, the movie had a short release by another company, and what's really a sweet story: the company that's releasing it is is run by is owned by Byron Allen and a guy named Bill Burgos, whose father is actually a limo driver in the movie. He was an extra, and I turned him into an actor. Bill called me up. He says. Can we handle Stony Island? So it's going to be available on all these platforms, uh, and it's going to be available on my website also, andrewdavisfilms.com. And, and you can go there and see, you know, the, my body of work, plus you can watch this documentary. You remained uh, incredibly loyal to Chicago with the movies that came after, uh, came after Stony Island. Was that ever, for you, difficult when, when someone said, hey, we'd like you to direct a... Uh, the package or the fugitive and you said yeah well, okay I, i'd be happy to do that but we have to do it in chicago was that a negotiation at all or did you just get your way well it was interesting the first the film that really broke the ground was code of silence uh-huh. which right. was a, right. which was which is an interesting story uh, how that came about. You know, I, I was hired to direct this Chuck Norris movie, and I didn't think the script was very good. I hired my friend Mike Gray, who had given me a, uh, one of my jobs as an assistant cameraman, who later went and wrote <laughs> China Syndrome and wrote, who directed The Murder of Fred Hampton. It oh, was a wow. very important documentary you filmmaker bet. in Chicago. So Mike and I worked on the script, and it's interesting because Bulldog John Drummond, the great sure, the crime great reporter. Yep. He told me about this, this 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 place in the north side that had money on the table every uh, every Tuesday afternoon it was heroin coming in from Mexico, right? <laughs> and 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 the mob wanted to knock it off, and they were and, and they said it's too dangerous. So there was a guy named Wally the Wiretapper who was able to bet on horse races after they were over, right? And John Drummond <laughs> told us about this guy, and it became the story. So I, I try to take real things, you know, and put them in the movie based upon on what's really going on. 
Yeah. And some of those, you know, you claim, and I think you rightly claim, uh, Andrew Davis, that uh, the, the shots of Chicago that have, that have kind of come cliche, that you invented the cliche of the L shots, didn't you? Well, the cliches are the, the Michigan Avenue Bridge, you know. And, right, and, right. And, and Wrigley Building. But, but I have used that. I used that in Chain Reaction and the, the Wrigley Building, of course. <laughs> we used it was outside of Tommy Lee's office and the Fugitive, you know. But, you know, it, it went from Code of Silence to Above the Law to The Package to Chain Reaction to The Fugitive. And so, that, you know, that's, a, that's a, the Stony Island thing. It's like, you know. This is my this is my playground. This is the city I know, and you know, exactly. in, in the old days we we, we had cooperation. You know, it was yeah. after Mayor Daly died, you know, it was easier to make movies. He didn't want any gunplay, of course, and I was happy not to have gunplay in some of my movies. But uh, it became it became a, a it's and then after we started making those movies in Hollywood, realized hey, there's good crews in Chicago. Oh, there's no question. There. Yeah, we we can do Batman in Chicago. Well, know? now there are a ton of ton of TV shows too to now start up again chicago pd chicago med you know all this right, other exactly. stuff did you know when you were making the fugitive what a what a big hit that was going to be do you do you know andy as the director you're you're orchestrating everything i don't you probably don't have time to sort of sit back and well, well there's 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 a there's interesting articles written because it's the 30th anniversary. Yeah, actually, right. The 21st, sure. Sure. 21st of November, my birthday. They're re-releasing. They're releasing the Blu-ray 4K of the Fugitive, which is amazing looking. It's remastered and remixed. And and the funny thing is, I, I, you know, I was just working hard trying to make it all make sense. <laughs> right, right. did a lot of work. And and I watched uh, James Utenhauer, the great composer, came to visit me, and we talked. We were I was staying in a hotel, and we looked at some cut footage. And I started saying, you know, this could really work. Maybe some old grandma could take their kid to see this, and they can relate to this poor guy who's being accused of something he didn't do. Harrison Ford was beloved, you know. And I got an inkling for it. But a lot of a lot of the, the, the producers and a lot of the cast, they, they had no idea. I mean, they thought this was going to end their career, you know. And then the movie gets nominated for seven Academy Awards. I know. And best Picture. Yeah. And, you know, Tommy wins. So. So, you know, it's one of those things that's sort of like what happened to Coppola on The Godfather. They didn't know what it was going to be, you know, and it was a huge hit, you know. Yeah, yeah. I cannot wait to see. When do you, how long, let me ask you one, one last thing. How long have you lived in Santa Barbara? In Santa Barbara since 1984. But I moved to California in 72. I moved to San Francisco, Berkeley, and then to L.A., and then one, we wound up coming up here. Wow. Uh, I'd love to see your place one day, but I can't wait to see you. Uh, okay. Well, we will be at Andy Davis and his brother, Richie, uh, will be at the Cisco Film Center Friday night. And, and some of the cast and crew will be there, too. I just want to say to everybody, yes, uh, you know, we're from Chicago. Yeah. I did not pay Rick Hogan to say these nice things. <laughs> I'm know, only saying them because so I'm it, only it, saying it, them because I love your I loved your dad as an actor, and we both love Stud Sterkel. That's that's all it ever takes, Andy. Can't wait to see okay. you, Mel. Can't wait to see you. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, thank bye-bye. you. Take care. Bye.